Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? Jason Jimenez here. So glad to be with you guys here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Today is podcast 110, and we are going to be looking at Saturday of Passion Week, which means... We have one more day on Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday, uh, and then, of course, we will fast forward a bit and looking at some of the accounts when they encounter Jesus and he is witnessing and ministering to them. We'll look at the road to Emmaus, the appearance of the 10 disciples, and then to the 11, and then when Thomas is struggling and Jesus appears to him, and then he appears to him in at the Sea of Galilee and restores Peter, etc. All those great stories. So that will take a few podcasts to work through today. Uh, today's podcast, Saturday, when you look at the just the the significance of it, this is where the Roman guards watch the tomb, and this is only recorded in Matthew twenty seven sixty two through sixty six. Not much is mentioned. Again, it's very brief. So what I wanted you to do before we dive into Saturday is to look at what we had discussed in the previous podcast real briefly because we have to tie things into where we are at when we pick things up here in Matthew when Saturday begins. Now, to bring you up to speed, or if you've missed the previous podcast in Podcast 109, um, and again, there's a few parts to Friday. It's a, it's a very long day. This is the day, obviously, that Jesus died. He was crucified. And so when you look at the accounts, and there are many events that we are breaking down as we're looking at Friday of Passion Week. You had the betrayal and the arrest. You had the trial before Annas, the trial before Caiaphas, Peter's denials, the Sanhedrin trial, the suicide of Judas, the trial before Pilate, then Herod meets Jesus, the trial before Pilate again. Then you see the mockery and the beating that Jesus was enduring, the course to the cross, then the crucifixion. And then the verification that Christ was indeed dead by the piercing and then the burial. And that's what I wanted to look at briefly before we dive into Saturday is just look at some of these accounts again because this is important. Remember in Mark 15, 42 through 43, when evening had come since it was the day of preparation, meaning Friday, that is the day before the Sabbath, which obviously would be Saturday, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, and we're told in Luke 23, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision. So he goes to Pilate. Now, we're also told that, and again, John 19 verse 38 refers this, but then we're told that Pilate in the same breath, if you will, was surprised to hear that Jesus had already died. And so remember, he summoned the centurion who asked him whether Jesus was already dead. The guy, the centurion that is, gave the verification that he was. And so he gave the corpse over to Joseph, we're told in Mark 15, verse 45. And in John 19, verses 39 through 40, we're told that Nicodemus, it says, who had earlier, remember, had come to Jesus, he was bringing the mixture of myrrh and aloes uh, about 75 pounds in weight. So he was helping Joseph. So Joseph was going to use his own burial site that he had designated for him and his family to put Jesus there 
He was a one that goes to Pilate. There's not much mention whether or not Nicodemus went with Joseph, but we're just told that Pilate gave the body of Jesus to Joseph. And then we see here in John chapter 19, where Nicodemus joins Joseph, and he's in charge more or less to bring the myrrh, the mixture of myrrh and aloes, which is about 75 pounds. And they says in verse 40, so they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices as is the burial custom of the Jews. And then we see in Luke 23, 54 through 56, it was a day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. And so the women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Mark 15 verse 47 tells us Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And then we're told in verse 56 that they went home and they they prepared the spices and ointments. Now, what was different than what Nicodemus had, the 75 pounds, what the women were going to bring was this spices and these ointments are used to delay the decay of Jesus's body. So Joseph and Nicodemus were in preparation of his body and putting him in the tomb. And the women are going to come to add a little bit more to keep the delay of Jesus's body decaying. But because obviously we're told it was the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. So that's why they were going to show up early on Sunday morning. So that's where we pick things up now. Uh, on Saturday of Passion Week in Matthew 27, verses 62 through 66, Matthew writes, The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, so remember Sabbath, the sunset of Friday to the sunset of Saturday, the chief priests, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter, that deceiver said, While he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Now, let me pause here. When you look at the third day, when you look at these accounts, again, these are not official 24-hour solar days like we are accustomed to as Westerners. Parts of days are counted as days according to Jews. And And again, you're also dealing with a Sabbath here, and you're dealing with sunset, to, you know, when, when the sun sets to, to when the sun sets the following day to have those official days. So they're not officially 24. So just keep that in mind. So when it says, therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. So what's interesting here is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they actually unite together. Remember, there was nothing really that they had in common other than both being frauds themselves, but they united together and they break the Sabbath. Once again, they're undermining the law by doing business and interacting with and with a Gentile. So they're dealing with Romans on the Sabbath. That might have also, uh, when, when they gathered, broken the travel distance that they were to uphold to according to Exodus 16 verse 29. Now, this phrase here, imposter or deceiver, that in reference to Jesus, they claim that Jesus was this great deceiver. Yet, as you and I have been journeying along, looking at the story of Jesus, and, and of course, when he was betrayed in the garden by his own, uh, the religious leaders are actually the ones who are greatly deceived. When you go back to Matthew 23, verses 1 through 36, remember Jesus 
says that the great woes when he rebuked them. Now, this other phrase here, he has risen from the dead. So they're going back to certain points of time where Jesus was referencing prophetically, obviously, but they weren't taking it that way. They were just saying, remember, he in this revolt, remember, he was this insurrectionist. He was this imposter, this great deceiver. He was talking about coming back from the dead. So the Sanhedrin had followed closely to these teachings of Jesus, remember? And they also were fearing up to this point his fame. This is why they had to get things done and get themselves rid. And they finally were able to do that when they had someone like Judas Iscariot who was going to join uh, their in, in, in their allegiance, their attempt to undermine Jesus. Now, remember, we talked about a few uh, podcasts ago. Did Judas really know that Jesus was going to die as a result of this? We don't know, but I take the point where Judas was a lot more cunning and deceiving and crooked than than uh, some, I think, commentaries point out. And one of the things uh, and why I take such a strong stance is because the Bible says in the in, when they're in the upper room that Satan entered him. There's only two people, and I stress this a lot, in Scripture that, that Satan himself enters. One, the son of perdition reference to Judas of Iscariot. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in the future, during the tribulation period, Satan will enter, he's known as the Antichrist, but also the son of perdition. And so when they finally get Judas on board, they're able to undermine him and take a hold of him So because they were afraid of his fame. They didn't like the things that Jesus stood for. And it was growing larger. And with the thought of the disciples now at this point, because they loved him so much and think, okay, well, we rid them of their master. So this whole thing's going to end. But what if, what if the disciples, maybe not the direct 12, but maybe a lot of the mob of these followers of Jesus attempted to steal his body. And then, and then it, when, if they were found successful, uh, that they can claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Now they couldn't risk losing face obviously with the people. So, what did they do? Well, this is why they went to Pilate. They went to Pilate to ensure Jesus's body and his teaching stayed buried in the tomb. Now we're, we're told here in verse 65, Pilate says to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing. That's a wax seal, uh, the stone. And, and they set a guard there. Now the additional guards could have been temple police and the same, uh, these probably could have been the same guards who might have told the chief priest, not Pilate, that the tomb was empty when you go in Matthew 28 that we'll see on Sunday, Matthew 28, 11 through 15. Now, the sealing of the stone, uh, I like this because Matthew gives this orderly account of the Romans in the Sanhedrin making sure that the tomb was impenetrable because they falsely uh, report the disciples stole the body in Matthew 28, 15. So even though they sealed it and they had guards there, the Romans, in addition to probably having some temple guards that were there um, or, were, or were heading there, uh, this is important to note because it identifies that the Romans were taking charge. They identified where Jesus was buried because remember, Pilate was the one that gave the body over to Joseph of Arimathea, who was a council member. So he was a known figure. And they knew where Joseph of Arimathea's family was going to be laid to rest. So the location was identified. That's important. And the ceiling shows that the Romans were, cons were consenting. They were working alongside the Jewish leaders. Now, before I end the podcast, I want to read for you 
uh, what the NIV Quest Study Bible says. It says, quote, the stone covering the tomb's entrance probably had a rope or cord wrapped across it. The cord was then sealed in wax or clay at each end so that no one could move the stone without breaking the seal or cutting the cord. It is possible that the seal included the official imprint of the Roman Empire. So anyone who broke the seal would have been violating imperial law. Of course, the detachment of soldiers stationed by the tomb added force to the seal, end quote. So this is very significant. So the fact that later on when they declare that the tomb is empty, the seal was broken, the somehow the stone weighing roughly over 2,000 pounds was tossed away from the ingrove area of where it was at. And this is very significant because it all points to the fact that, yes, there was indeed a resurrection because things were sealed to the point where no one would cross the sill and get through the guards and be able to push through the stone itself that they enclosed. So those are significant remarks that we will see later. And then what I'm going to do towards the end of the podcast when we finish out Sunday of the resurrection, in one of my books called Stand Strong Your Faith, I give an acronym, RISEN, and it gives you an account and a way that you can purposefully and tactfully, theologically, based on the historicity of Jesus and looking at the facts, you can use this acronym to, I think, I, I would actually say successfully be able to not just argue for the resurrection by giving proofs and evidence, but also to be able to have for yourself a sound case as to why you believe in the resurrection. And so we'll be looking at that acronym We'll look at the record of Jesus' death. We'll look at his interment. That means his burial. We'll look at the significant appearances of the post-resurrection. We'll see through that the extraordinary conversions that came as a result. And then the new life and the new message known as Christianity in the early church and how they're propagating the gospel. So I hope you guys will continue to stay tuned as we are about to be concluding the gospel studies here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. So I know it's a short one today, you guys. But I don't want to jump into Sunday and start getting really into the meat of that. So I'm just going to stop here today. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for your supports. Continue to be safe out there. If you need any prayer, if you have some prayer requests or you have a theological question, something about the Bible or a cultural issue or something on apologetics, we love to hear from you. You guys can drop us a note at info at standstrongministries.org. You can always go to our website, standstrongministries.org. Click on podcasts. There's all our information there. If you guys have never given to support this ministry, would you please consider doing that today? You can go to the website, standstrongministries.org, click on donate, and we could take your donations securely online. They're tax deductible. So thank you guys for your support. Thank you for your your prayers. I love you guys. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.